Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the FOD. It is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, and I'm your old pal, Joe O'Brien. And I'm Troy LaValle, and it actually is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, as we're recording this a little late. <laughs> yes, yes, a, a rare uh, late FOD recording, courtesy of a nor'easter that just blew Ooh. through the East Coast, shredding uh, my tree to pieces and really? uh, leaving my house untouched, which was really the main thing, and unflooded, which was the other main thing. My wife and I had alarms set every two hours overnight, just getting up and going to the basement, checking for water. We made out okay. How did you make out? Uh, first of all, would you call it a nor'easter if there was no snow? I don't follow the weather at all. <laughs> I just said that because it was a big storm. Yeah, so I, I don't... I, don't I, think did, I wouldn't have even Nor'easter. known there was a storm if my wife wasn't like batting down the hatches. Like <laughs> I it, I wouldn't have even known it was coming. But yeah, the wind was wild at like yeah. bedtime last night. It felt like it was going to rip shingles right off the side of the house. I kept checking my pergola because we, the pergola is just gone before when there's wind. But yeah, I think the thing is like a kite. <laughs> I think to qual, I'll have to look it up. But I think to qualify as a nor'easter, you need snow, and this was just wind, rain, and and massive flooding all throughout New York. We were in the studio yesterday. My wife texted me. She's like, "You should probably come home." And I, <laughs> our plan was to do, uh, you know, uh, a recording of Strange, uh, not Strange, on Skywalkers, and then do a fod, and then drive home. Live and we from just the studio, not live, but from the studio, from the studio, yeah. And uh, we couldn't, and it fucking took me like oh, almost two hours to get home. Uh, it was so slow going. There was so much. 
fucking traffic and I'm driving so slow on the Taconic. And a couple times I was just like, whoop, 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 with the car. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that was like really close <laughs> to a major car accident. I mean, I'm getting old enough that it's getting bad, man. Like when I change lanes in driving windy rain at night, I have no idea if there's a car next to me or not. I, I can't, can't see it at night. Out. I can't, I can't see. see at night. I can't see anything. It doesn't seem so crazy now when I'm so uh, strict on the rules of night. You can't see anything. How old is your character? Over 40? They can't see shit. I don't you know remember. That's great. We, never, we never bring that into our games. That should be brought in more. Like, right, you have dark vision, you have low light vision, and you're old. So right. you have no vision. Are you a, a human over 40? Then no, you can't see by the moonlight. <laughs> Dude, I don't remember ever having this problem, and I wonder if it's age or or what. But even if I have my glasses on, I don't really drive with my glasses. I probably should at night, but I have had it on at night, and I'm like, this doesn't help at all. I can't see shit. <laughs> it doesn't help that there's not a single uh tr- like hanging light in all of Westchester. There's you know what it's like? What was the name of that fight in Dark Souls? Is it the f- the the Four Kings? The Is Four that what Kings, it's yeah. The Four Kings fight in Dark Souls. Like that's what it's like for me driving at night. There's no road. There are no lane assignments there's no shoulder all i see are the floating lights of other cars and i just base my positioning you know somewhat on that i'm like those two red lights that guy must know what he's doing i'll just follow those lights in this abyss of darkness (laughs) so bad it's so bad uh not having street lights just makes it worse and so it's just it's causing my eyes to degenerate even faster i think yeah Uh, so we made it home uh, safe i got a little water in my basement so i just had to move my rug this this keeps happening it never happened before we have like two sump pumps to ensure that this doesn't happen um but the bilco doors are like right near uh, now that I've moved downstairs and it just if we get too much like we did last night it eventually finds its way through I went to bed around 11.30 last night and I look I'm like oh it's clear pulled up my rug just to make sure and I woke up this morning it was just a pool I was like motherfucker son of a bee yeah I I had water coming right in the chimney down the chimney into the fireplace, just drip, <laughs> drip, drip. It was like, oh my god, just, just brutal. But uh, worked out okay. Everything was fine. I just got an email from McD, <laughs> and it says, "Quote, hey bud, the natives are getting restless. What's the ETA on father?" <laughs> <laughs> so we are taping it. We're in it right now. Let, uh, uh, well, there's another sign in the world. I just said taping it. I love saying taping well, it. We're taping. Yeah, I, I still say that. Like I taped that episode last night. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying it. All right, let's get to it. Good juicy fod today. We've got hot news uh, off the presses. We've got little. Uh, we got to dig into episode sixteen of campaign two. We have a little. We are stupid, and then uh, of course some listener mail. So let's get right to the news. Toronto tickets are on sale, Woo! dude. Already Tur- over half sold, dude. They're flying. They're flying. So if you're in Canada and you're hearing this and you haven't bought tickets yet, like get on it. Yeah. There's like 20 VIP left, um, oh, and uh, we're already over half sold for the entire venue. Great start, Toronto. Uh, I, I was confident about this, but you never know until you put them up. I'm like, God, this is going to be a cash cow if nobody shows up, and uh, we're already over half sold, so that's exciting. And uh, more dates are coming like crazy, crazy soon. Also, if you do not have VIP yet to Toronto, and you're even on the fence, like grab it, because Toronto is going to be a first. It's going to be the first of all time. It's a new VIP experience that is pre-show. So we're going to be doing a pre-show VIP where – we're not as burnout and exhausted. You're probably not as burnout and exhausted. You're, you're really excited. And you know what I keep thinking about is like, if I get 
some uh, some awesome die or something like that. Like I can use it in the show. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that. And then that yell at night. that person yeah, in the audience. Exactly. Their name. I'll know their name, and they'll be in the audience <laughs> that night. Like so. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you're on the fence about it, try this out. This is going to be our first pre-show VIP. I think it's going to help all of us to be not so completely burnt. Uh, you know, at the end of the night, and uh, and hopefully it creates a you know a great environment and an exciting kickoff to the show. It's something we've you know everyone's wanted to do for a long time, and I was just against it for a million reasons. Even though I really wanted it as well, and then uh, you know, in, in talking to our agent, it just we, we were I was like, all right, let's just fucking try it, and I think it's going to be better. So basically, uh, let's say it's an eight o'clock show, the doors will open at five thirty for VIP, and you'll be able to come in, uh, choose your seat for shows that don't have assigned seating, buy merch, and we'll be there hanging out until seven, and then at seven o'clock. The general admission doors open. We go backstage, do a couple keg stands, and then come out and do a show. And then <laughs> and after the show, we get to fuck off, which is great because we're so burnt out. And, and so does uh, the audience, which is yeah. great because the show ends at 1030. And I, I don't know. The audience with us is getting older. And I think that they also <laughs> are like happy to just either go home or take their party elsewhere. You know what I mean? And, and go have a good time. So anyway, looking forward to that. Grab tickets to Toronto if you haven't already. Labs. We had uh, Deadlands premiered on Labs last week. It is yeah. continuing tomorrow. It's going to be on tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Troy, it was so good. It was, was it? so good. If I had the time, I mean, you know that I love to do this. I love to just sit and like recount for you blow blow by blow a great session yeah and you you're usually very polite you're like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, uh, while check, you're like sending emails yeah. <laughs> oh. texting other people cool oh cool uh <laughs> it really was one of the best like cliffies that we've ever had wow. in, in a session one it was Quite really really impressive uh so great work by jared and mary lou and matthew uh it was really fun so looking forward to that tomorrow you're back uh today uh, this is probably this fodder is probably going to release around the time that you're live, continuing your Baldur's Gate three playthrough. Are you enjoying it? Is it like a fantastic game? Is it, it living up to all the hype? I guess is my question. You're a very critical guy. Yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, I, I keep saying every time I play it, the only time I've ever played it, I've played it live for an audience. So I'm consuming it in a much different way. It's a much more slow playthrough. I think if I was playing this solo, I'd already be in like act two. I have no idea where I am in the game. Every time I play, I'm like, where the hell are we? You know, But that becomes kind of part of the experience. And uh, I mean, we've been having a lot of fun with it online. Uh, last week was the first one of the year, but, uh, it really is just like, you remember Divinity Original Sin. It's, it's that, but with all the D and D mechanics, the rolling of the dice, uh, you really feel like choices you make have long lasting impacts. Like things go sour all the time. You'll be talking to people that like, you have no interest in fighting. You know, they're like good people and they're just like standoffish and you'll fail a diplomacy check or something. And now you've got to, kill them and uh it that happens all the time and i'm so i'm playing a pretty loose loose moral playthrough where sometimes we just fuck with people that we shouldn't um but uh i'm excited i haven't done mine yet you're you're giving me some i've been i haven't gotten the game yet i i I look forward to the day i play it i'm just sort of like staying away from your streams and stuff so that i don't get spoiled for too much i I pop in but now I, I'm because one of the things is like I'm crippled about thinking what to play, like what character do I want to play? Because it's such a commitment, you just know. Figure like, that out before you buy the game, <laughs> right? Exactly. And uh, you just gave me an idea there that I had not, you know, come across my uh, thought process, which was like a true diplomat, right? Like somebody that can crush <laughs> any diplomacy check I want to, or 
do it the other way if I want to fail if I want to, right? Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Uh, it could be interesting in your power over the game, right? Yeah, because I mean, you can always you can always pick up a warrior, you know, to like join your party. It's 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 really you should when you when you're ready, you should dive in, and I think you'll be kind of obsessed. It is yeah. it's really I, I it's it's a no brainer why it won Game of the Year, and I love Starfield. I talked about that on last stream, but like it's just, that's just a different experience. This is like a complete fully uh, uh one of the one of a kind game okay uh, yeah. so i'm excited to dive back in i'm very much looking forward to it uh, i'm going to stream this week as well friday at noon uh on twitch.tv slash the glass cannon come by and watch me try out uh, a game called returnal i don't know if you're familiar with this uh but it is a i, I heard that it was a P- ps5 launch title uh, which mm. i didn't realize i know it's been around for a while uh, the main things that i hear about it are that i would love it that it's uh, kind of has an alien feel, that it has the difficulty of Dark Souls, and that it is uh, an underappreciated title. And I always like coming across them, right? Like hidden gems. Right. Uh, things that maybe because of the when the release happened or how it happened, the PR wasn't quite right and it didn't quite hit where it wanted to. You and I talked about it yesterday in the office and you went immediately to GameSpot and you were like, yo, it's a nine on GameSpot, which is no joke. And so I'm very, very excited about diving into that. So come by and check it out with me on Friday. Um, That'll be fun. Speaking of Friday, how about next Friday, the return of Time for Chaos? The return of the Time for Chaos. It is time! (laughs) Friday, January 19th, and we are moving uh, to YouTube. It's going to be premiering on YouTube, not Twitch. YouTube.com slash the glass cannon. I'm really, really excited to get this out there. I wish we had more in the can, but like I'm looking at our schedule. I'm like, you know what? We just got to get this out there, get this cooking. People have been waiting long enough. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, uh, really excited to dive back in. Um, this is, it's already started off completely off the rails. And, uh, uh, I'm really just letting the players drive things a lot more. I'm doing it in Gatewalkers, uh, and I'm, and I'm really doing it in time for chaos because I feel like my prep is good enough. Like, what do you guys want to do? Whatever you want to do, I'll do it. But it's funny because, like, sometimes in Call of Cthulhu, unlike, uh, Unlike uh, how we play Pathfinder, sometimes you'll be like, well, I want to go talk to so-and-so. And you'll go and talk to so-and-so, and it's like, well, you need to make an appointment. You can't just show up. And it's like, I can <laughs> fit you office. in uh, next Friday at 2 p.m. And then it's like, <laughs> that was the role play. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. All right, well, uh, we'll be back here in, in three days for that appointment. And then they've got to like, all right, so now what else do you want to do? You know, if, I'm really trying to keep it feeling real um but it, it's a much different flow than pathfinder because when we do gatewalkers it's kind of like when you guys want to do something i want to give you something at every location but uh, call of Duty is a little bit different like sometimes you just have to set appointments or like you should have called ahead or like you didn't go to a library to research that before you went there well <laughs> if you did you would have known that they were closed today right right uh <laughs> skid does that he does a pretty good job of that in in legacy when he runs rise like if you're like i want to go talk to the town mayor He'll have like an aide just be like, do you have an appointment? Like, no, you, you can't speak to the bear. And Nick will just want to go down the road of a hundred diplomacy checks to make it happen. You know what I mean? And I'll be like, Nick, the mayor's not available. Okay. <laughs> the mayor's clearly not available. The mayor's clearly not available. Let's just, let's just move on. Uh, all right. So that's very exciting time for chaos returns. Uh, even more exciting for me. Uh, in general, but I'm I'm a little bit nervous to even bring it up. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to put you on the spot here, but last week I you you, you beat around the bush on uh, a state of the nation. You. 
did not commit to anything it sound in like terms me. of when it's happening. Is is there anything happening there in terms of date? Do you have a hard date, as we say? Uh, a couple days ago, I did, but I, I need. I think I need more time. I feel pretty good about either next Wednesday or the following Wednesday. No, wait. Two Wednesdays from now or three, three Wednesdays. Wednesdays. <laughs> Either the 24th. 24th would be nice, but I may push it to the 31st. And, and, and I'll tell you the reason for that. Well, one of the main, re- well, one of the things is there's a big project going on that I want to announce and I want that project to be done. And it's a lot of fucking data entry and pain in the ass stuff. I want to give, uh, give us more time to get that done. But also like, we're very close to booking the entire 2024 tour, which we've never done uh, like in advance of the whole year. And so I need three more cities to lock in and it would be nice to be able to announce all of it. I guess that's like, it's not the end of the world. Like I could do a state of the day tomorrow and not announce that, but it would be fun to be like, here's where we're coming when and where for the entire year, you know, cause I think some people, um, may see a date and be like oh should i buy tickets what if they come closer to me now i'm like buy both come on uh but like now you'll know like now you can plan out your year like we're gonna be here 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 here. if you think we're coming here we're not so what are you gonna do yeah and uh yeah so we're very very close three right, more so you're dates. telling me january yeah yeah january for sure all right sure fantastic so, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully two weeks from now Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, all right, before we actually, I'm going to do a little unorthodox. Before we dive into this week's episode of the GCP, I actually want to bump We Are Stupid up. I'm going to wow. do We Are Stupid first. Only because there is no We Are Stupid. Uh, Professor Eric has no notes for uh, this week's episode because this week's episode is all role play and, uh, and reveals and stuff like that. I'm surprised he doesn't have notes because I have notes. And you I, have gave them, I gave them to Sydney a couple of days ago. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, there are some... Uh, uh, Kitsune notes, some character notes that uh, um, class notes that Sydney's going to be working on. But mainly, uh, I wanted to go back in time to a We Are Stupid we completely missed because of the holidays. Uh, Professor Eric had sent me notes on episode 13, and I just never talked about it. And uh, I'm just going to pick out two highlights from that that are more general uh, and a going forward kind of thing that I think is interesting. Uh, the first thing is, of course, devise a stratagem and Matthew. Matthew, his investigator, and devise a stratagem, which is, we've talked about this before, and there's one main issue that we have to address, which is... We just recorded yesterday. Is he still doing it wrong? Well, it didn't matter yesterday. Okay. But as usual, it's the last line. If you're aware that the creature you choose is the subject of a lead you're pursuing, you can use this ability as a free action. Why doesn't he read that? Which he did not do Against Bolot. Do you know how mad he would be if someone didn't read the last like line of his play? (laughs) Any play that he writes or just skip the third act? You know, like why? 
does he have such a wild blind spot for this? Uh, yeah, I, I think he just he just forgot. I completely forgot. It's one of the best parts of the ability. It's what makes the ability. It launches it into the atmosphere of awesome. And I completely forgot about it with Bolon. Uh, and so yeah, the, not only the free action, but there are other couple plus ones that he could have gotten with Bolon that he missed. He just forgot that long ago he had pursued a lead against Bolon. So it's just something that we have to remind him <laughs> of. Um, all right, so this is the next one I want to get to is an interesting conversation, and this has to do with um, recalling knowledge. Okay, now recalling knowledge is something that it didn't really happen in this week's episode because we weren't so much recalling knowledge as much as actively learning new knowledge at the library. We'll talk about that in a second. But there is an interesting concept that's brought up in the GM core, the remaster GM core that uh, Professor Eric highlighted. And it's something interesting to be thinking about. I'd love your your take on it. Yeah. And that is the concept of general versus unique and Oak Steward versus Bolon, right? Uh-huh. Like a, a, a type of creature versus a specific creature, perhaps a famous one, a well-known one, or maybe not even a famous one, an an unknown one, but nonetheless, a specific one uh, of those. If you go to the... if you go to the GM core, you will see they, they put a sidebar in there, uh, which we can bring up here on Demiplane, uh, about G- – oh, sorry. I don't know what that highlighted. <laughs> oh, look. It's just like when you hover over it. That's awesome. Uh, general versus unique. Stop this is this last line here. So it says, some elements, such as creatures or items, might require you to draw a distinction between a general concept and a unique individual, such as pirates versus – Tessa Fairwind, the Hurricane Queen, or a Harrow deck versus the deck of Harrow Tales, a specific magical item. When a PC tries to recall knowledge, let them choose whether to ask about the general category or the unique person or item and determine the DC based on the specifics of the choice. If the unique character or item is famous enough, the DC for the famous one, for the unique, might even be easier than the general uh, if they're if they're that famous. It's an interesting thing to think about because I think what you and I would default to, our natural instinct would be, yeah, yeah, uh, so just just roll recall knowledge. And I think I would naturally set a lower DC for the general, a higher DC for, for information on the specific person, and then just kind of relay both if they got high enough or relay mm-hmm. only the general if they if they didn't get high enough. However, Professor Eric brings up an interesting point, which is it's better in his opinion – to set that DC beforehand by asking them which one they want to know about so that you know clearly ahead of time at the time of the roll whether it's a crit or not. Because, mm. you know, if you set something that would be a crit on the general, but just a regular on the other one, it puts you in a weird position of how to dole out that information. And it it kind of puts you as a GM in a position to like – well, I don't want to give them the critical information or whatever, right? I'll just give them the the regular information for the specific individual. Instead, uh, wipe away having to make that choice and just let the player decide which one they want to they want to roll on. It's n- it's something I never really thought of, so I just was interested in your opinion on it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I kind of do this without do, doing it exactly that way. Yeah, in the sense that like. Well, I'll tell you one thing. For example, like each individual Oak Steward had a DC X nature check, but Bolon was a a, DC, a higher one with parentheses hard. And and the reason for that being is like no one quite knows 
what Bolon's right. He's a mysterious figure, right? Powers he got from walking through the gate. And so that made total sense to me. And at that point, if Bolon was the first Oak Steward you faced, I think on a, uh, if you had pat, like if he had rolled high enough, I would have given you general Oak Steward. I would have given him general Oak Steward knowledge. But at that point, you already faced half a dozen Oak Stewards. So you already had that knowledge. You know, if it had happened in the reverse, then maybe I'd be like, well, here's what you know about the Oak Stewards. They tend to be able to cast Shillelagh. They tend to be able to do this. But like, you kind of already knew that. So when you're, when he was plumbing for more Bolon information, you just didn't know it. Nobody really knows what, what's going on with Bolon. Um, but I do think that I kind of do that anyways in that, like, if you find a, the deck of Harrow is a good example. Like you might find something like that that's very specific. And I feel like even if you fail the check, I'll be like, well, you know that a Harrow deck can usually do this, this, and this, but like you don't know what this one does. I feel like I'm doing that naturally, even on yeah. a failed check. Like mm-hmm. so I'm I'm not really resetting the DC. I'm just like, what's your roll? A uh, 10? Yeah, I mean, you know that Harrow decks, like if you do this, this, and that, you can get this, but there's something else going on with this one. Um, I don't know. I feel like this isn't my kind of rule that I'd want to get into the weeds into because it's just with knowledge checks in in a show, I tend to just give a little bit more even on a – unless you really biff the check. I'm going to give you something. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of approach it the same way. The only times that on a recall knowledge check, if you fail, that I'll say you just don't know anything is typically – you know, when it's really rare material or something that's meant to be very mysterious uh, and unknown. But if there are general topics or if there's like a, you're researching a, a city, right, like a nation or something yeah. like that, like, what do I know about Nirmathas or whatever? It's like, all right, ro- roll or recall knowledge and you roll a 10. It's like, okay, well, I mean, I set the DC higher to know a bunch of information, but I can tell you this. It's located, it borders this one and this one. You've heard rumors of this, right? That kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't like saying you get nothing, uh, typically. I, I usually do degrees of success. Yeah. Because, and that, to me, it, it rolls over from early Pathfinder Society. When I was running Pathfinder Society back in the day in 1E, it always was tiers of success for – uh, you know, g- gathering information yeah, and recall whatever they called recall knowledge back then, just knowledge checks, right? It would be like DC 10, DC 15, DC 20, DC 25. And, and it w- each bit of information would add on to it as, as you went up higher. But I do like the concept. I think it's interesting, the concept of keeping in mind that sometimes the DC for a unique character could be even lower than the DC of the general, because that unique character is so famous, yeah. right? So like if that unique character is so famous, you could say, oh, so uh, Bolon is so famous that that uh, he, he has this ability or in these abilities. And you could assume that all Oak Stewards have those abilities, but you could be wrong. You know what I mean? Like you don't right. really realize because he's not representative of the entire uh, uh, organization or whatever. So anyway, just right. a, just a neat concept. And I appreciate Eric for bringing it up for uh, for conversation. Yeah. Let's get into this week's episode. Uh, okay. A big a big one, obviously, because we're introducing a new character. This is not something that happens every day. No, certainly not this early into a series. I would like some uh, behind the scenes information. So we open with a scene where Asta, who we come to know as Asta, is witnessing the Bolon event, essentially the Bolon missing moment. Not what he saw, but yeah. sees him passing through the gates and passes through the same gates as Bolon. Yeah. Very, very interesting choice. How did that come up? Is this your idea? Did she start an idea that you kept on to? Did, was it her idea? How did it come together behind the scenes? 
So this is going to be some real fun Juicy. behind the scenes uh, moment. So uh, we recorded two episodes that day. And the first episode, we, you know, we come in in the morning, uh, we record an episode, you know, we have like a meeting, we record an episode, and then we go take a lunch that always takes too long and we come back and do another one. That's what's what we tend to do. Sometimes we do one. We, we've never done three. Um, that'd be nice. But, uh, the first episode we did was, uh, the lucky's role and she died and then sydney sat there and uh whatnot i imagine she took that time to be like what am i going to do next because we had a really really long episode so the the whole episode if you watch her on screen mostly she's just got her head in in the book right in her computer yeah because she's making another character like during i I imagine right she's got to be looking at everything especially when you see you know you know don't forget like people watching this right now don't even know what class uh asta is like that hasn't been out so i imagine uh just from the ancestry choice alone like she's looking at things and seeing what she likes um i didn't i didn't i don't remember even asking like because none of you had a concept i mean some of you i imagine you had like loose concepts but i asked you guys pre-show a couple episodes before you guys got backup characters you know just being a dick and all of you are like absolutely not um (laughs) concepts you should probably have some concepts so when the episode ends uh we're like all right that's break for lunch i just say hey uh, sydney come here we we walked through the hallway and i'm like so what are you thinking and she's like well i'm thinking uh, of doing a, a kitsune blah 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 and i was like okay um so what's what's her story and she's like, well, I think she's like native to the Wildwood. And, um, and I said, the only thing is I, I want her to be a, a gatewalker as well. So I said, this could either be someone that is like part of the Riddleson group already or someone, um, that's kind of a lone wolf. And if she's from the Wildwood, I'm wondering like, and so we're just having a conversation. I'm like, this sounds like someone that maybe had experienced this. If her spent her whole life in the Wildwood, experienced this. And didn't know that anyone else uh, experienced it. Never like found anybody. And I said, "Oh, what if maybe she watched Bolon go through and then stepped through?" And so we're just we're kind of improvising this back and forth. I'm like, "All right, let you go to lunch. I'll think on this and I'll come up with a, a scene and we'll just fucking play it out." And then like, how are you? How are we going to get you to the party? And we're just going back and forth. And She's like, well, maybe I saw them. Maybe I've been watching them as they came. Oh, so through. that was Sydney's idea. Yeah, that she and was I said, oh, I like that. I said, all right, so, so yeah, if you watched them, then maybe I'll just have you show up at the at the uh, Wicker House or whatever the hell it's called mm-hmm. and ask to speak with them. But and, and and let's just see what happens. And so that's really all we had. Wow. And wow. you guys went one way, I went another way for lunch, and I came back and I just wrote up a couple notes and that scene was largely just improvised. Because I just I could see it. I was like someone watching from the trees. I kind of got a cool this- image, the idea like I feel like the camera floating just behind some bushes, right? In yeah. the distance, seeing the seven oak stewards uh walking through the gates. Very cool. Yeah, and you know you get to see Bolan again, which was nice. He just died and now he's back and you could see his moment before and get a sense of him, you know, how he, in that little moment, like how people could be like, yeah, maybe Bolan's right. He's like, what are we doing out here? Why are the Oaks, it's just like another complaint of his, you imagine. It's like, why are the Oaks stewards spending all this time having us guard this? Nobody even knows it's out here. So fucking dumb. And then, <laughs> right. boom, right. he sees something and jumps through and they all jump through. And he was the only one to return. Yeah, that's so cool. So cool. You know what else was so cool? This freaking <laughs> library tree. Like, what What a crazy, cool, 
concept idea. Is there anything about the library tree that we didn't get in the show uh, that you can share? Or did you kind of just dump all of it? I don't mean the research of the show. I mean, like, about the tree itself, where it came from. Did they... Did they build a library around it? Did they f- grow a tree in the library? Does it say in the ba- adventure background? Like, I'm just curious where this idea came from because it's freaking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I was largely just riffing the whole episode. Like, when you first went to the Quaking Stacks um, at the, be- like, episode two, maybe? Or, like, yeah. three, you went to the Quaking yeah, yeah. Stacks. Because I-, I was like, is there anything you guys want to do? You know, you could go do this. You go. I'm just reading like the locations in the book. And the you're gazetteer. Like, yeah. And you're like, oh, I want to go check out that library. I'm like, great. And I'm like, I haven't read anything about that. So let's go do that. And so as you're walking there and improvising, I'm like stalling and reading. Um, and that's where Snailford Jones came from. I'm still reading like the description for the library, which is like a paragraph long. And, uh, then during the role play, I saw the line about the tree and I forgot the, about the library tree that comes later. And I was like, oh, you do see in the background, there's like a, a, a grove that looks like it's grown up from the ruins of whatever the structure was before. And there's one big tree and Snailfoot even mentions the library tree. Cause at that point, when I read really, that, I'm I like, didn't remember it. I'm like, oh shit, they're going to come back and they're going to have to do this thing at the tree. So let me at least foreshadow it here. So you hear about the library tree. He even says like, oh, with that bar grid, you could commune with the tree if you had more time. And so when you come back and got to do that, it was, it was, it was really, really fun. But I'm just in general, tr- I'm trying to, um, write less and just kind of follow your lead. So I had nothing to go on and I was just listening to you guys and just kind of making that all up um, along the lines of like knowing what the intention of the adventure path is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So everything there is intentional, but it's extemporaneous. And I thought it ended up being a pretty cool, pretty cool scene. Well, what it was, was a really, really cool way to do what is essentially a, a lore dump, right? It's not even yeah. a lore dump. You can't say that because these are important clues in a mystery that you're trying to solve. Yeah. That, that's not a lore dump. That's not like getting you uh, familiar with the area you're adventuring in. Like, that's not what this was. This wasn't... Um, so, so sometimes I feel like as a GM, I... I can struggle with like how to convey this information in a way that isn't just a lecture, right? Uh, you know, to make it interesting. Holy crap, was the library tree a really interesting way to do research in a library? It just, it made it really fascinating. Yeah. And I think, and we'll talk about this more over the coming weeks, that there's, there's a way I think that this investigation can be, this investigation portion that you're into can be run as just checks. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, so what do you guys want to do first? All right. Well, everybody roll a check. Here's what you learned at the library. And I just tell you. Um, and I don't know. I don't, initially I was like, how the fuck am I going to run this? There's like nothing here. Yeah. Checks. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like, let's just see what happens. And, uh, I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants a little bit. And, and the one thing that I had pre decided was I'm going to have you roll the checks, use the mechanics and have what you learn come out of the results of those roles. Cause there's a, you know, spoiler, there's a little bit of a mini game going on here as well based on those checks. You know, the success of checks are going to give you more information, uh, both on the subjects you're looking on and the larger investigation. And so I, I need you to roll those checks, but I kind of want to just see what you guys were interested in and, and roll with it. And, uh, you know, it gives a chance for you guys to role play some more with each other, with NPCs that I throw at you, um, which I think we needed after a, a long tree, treehouse long, dungeon. Essentially dungeon crawl. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great to break that up. And uh, I just cut uh, myself, I noticed. And so it's, it's very distracting. I apologize. I'm distracted. I cut my arm on like a, a, a loose chunk of wood on my desk. 
Jesus, I'm, dude. I'm, sand the desk down. Loose chunk of wood. Well, there's blood everywhere. Well, Did you build ch- your desk from trees you chopped down? And- I'm exaggerating. It wasn't a loose chunk of wood. It was just like a little, it's like a splinter that poked right into my fucking arm. So I'm, ble- I'm bleeding right now. And I may pass out. Okay. Well, we'll try to get through there's this blood as quickly everywhere. as possible. There's We've blood got, everywhere. Uh, we got listener mail coming up. So uh, just in just a second, but I, I can't continue. Uh, I can't skip over this amazing, in my opinion, alley encounter with the slim figure. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, you're just kind of riffing this whole lap. Is this, is this part of the riff? Is it like at some point, they run into this, or is it like when they leave the library? Because it was only minutes before we read about this slim figure from like some elven like lore tome or something that's like thousands of years old. So it's super freaky. We are walking back to our uh, lodge uh, in whatever, and we have this encounter in the middle of an alley with a shadowy figure. Uh very cool. Is there anything that, that that you have to add to that or anything that – I mean, it's so mysterious. I can't imagine you can really talk about it. But Yeah, I can't really talk too much about it, but I am thrilled at the way it's all kind of working out. It just feels like a pre-written TV show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It really, the, the pacing of that I was really happy with. You know, because I go into these episodes, I don't know what the end of the episode is until the end of the episode sometimes. And so when you're at the stacks, I'm like, okay, looking at the clock. Like, all right, so that's where we're at. Where does this go? Well, hopefully they'll, maybe they'll want to go back to the hotel and that's when I'll do this. And so, yeah, it just kind of worked out perfect. What a great ending. Uh, it was. Oh God, it was awesome. Yeah. And then uh, obviously a very unsettling event, you know, at the very, very end with yeah. the the carving in the floor. So, you know, someone's watching us, following us. I, I don't know. What is going on? What is going on? Uh, it's very strange, very disturbing uh, to say the least, but let's get into uh, a little listener mail and talk. Talk back to the Nash. The old Nash. <laughs> Gotta love that Nash. It's time to listen to me. Gotta get your brain up on it. Time to listen to me. Listener mail, write in with your questions for uh, Troy and I, and we will uh, hopefully get your question on the show. You can email at contact at glasscannonetwork.com with the subject listener mail. Send in your questions that way, or just go to our website, and you can find the listener mail link there, and you can submit uh, through a form. So we pull from both. Here we go. Let's get one in here from Paul from Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa. That's where I spent Christmas uh, this year. What's up, Paul? My wife's whole family is from Tulsa. Uh, thanks, thanks for writing in. Paul says, new to the Nash, totally hooked. Yes. Y'all are awesome. Yes. Love hearing it. Uh, quick one for Troy. Does Troy celebrate Christmas all the way to Epiphany? <laughs> or is Christmas done when the last present is opened? Epiphany, is that little Christmas on January 6th? Yes. Yeah, you know, I've gotten several emails about this this year from all, <laughs> really? over, from all over the globe. As wow. being like, Troy, don't be, don't be sad. Just keep pushing, man, until the 6th. Uh, it's really, really hard. Do I leave the tree up? 
you know, till I, I think I took the tree down on the fifth this year, even though my wife wants it out on like the 26th. And she's as big a Christmas person <laughs> as me, but she's like, it's time to move on. I'm it's like, over. I'm not ready. Let it uh, go. You know, I always, I've talked about it on the show before, like the saddest thing for me is the January 1st at 10 p.m. when the Hallmark movie, Christmas movie marathon ends and it goes to fucking Golden Girls. You know, this starts like the penultimate week of October. It's 24 hours a day on both channels. And then at 10 p.m. on January 1st, Golden Girls. Uh, so I'm still watching it. And uh, I, I don't really, I've tried. I've tried to keep the spirit going. You know, what we do do now is because there's so many family things we got to do is like we save one family trip for like right after Christmas since we did that this year. It's just not the same, man. It's just, you can't, you can't fake the funk on a nasty dunk. <laughs> I love that. I love that saying. That's fantastic. You can't Doesn't fake apply the funk here. on a nasty dunk. But I like it. Um, I also like bringing it back to this week's episode. There's a great joke in this week's episode uh, where <laughs> where I think it's you say something along the line. This is not Skid's joke from the end of episode 15. This is episode 16. Uh-huh. You say something along the lines of like, would you just move on? And, and we're like... <laughs> We are at the funeral. <laughs> Give us a minute. Uh, it makes me think of you and Sam on the day after Christmas. Like it's over. Just it's give a, it up. Just, it's time to move on. She's ready it's to take to the tree on. out. I'm like, no. <laughs> All right, let's get one uh, one more quick one in here uh, before we get out of here. Foreman, we you know Foreman. Foreman's an old school Twitch uh, Twitch fan and uh, and supporter of the niche. Uh, Nick from Atlanta, uh, who is Foreman. What's up, Nick? Nick? I'm just going to call you Foreman. I'm a lot more comfortable that way. What up, Foreman? (laughs) Thinking about the recent events in Gatewalkers and Troy's hatred of leshies, gunslingers, (laughs) uh, have either of you ever had to deny a player's character concept, whether it be because the pitch didn't fit the adventure or because you just flat out didn't want the character in your game? You know, it's there a great was a question. You're not a uh, social media guy, but nope. there was a uh, post that went up last week that kind of took the TTRPG social Twitter scene, at least, or the X scene by storm, where um, I believe it was a gentleman, I'm not sure, uh, posted something, assuming it was, it was a clickbaity type of thing. It was like, here's what's not allowed in my game or whatever. I, I or like, and and it was like certain ancestries are just not allowed in his game. The way it was worded was sort of like how I would word something, like just being a dick. And uh, I mean, it uh, mission accomplished because the uh, it exploded. Yeah, the you know it's it's a sensitive group, the TTRPG scene, and they did not like the way that he worded it. And so like everybody was weighing in on like what they thought. Um, I think there's a different way to to sort of approach this. I think like anything, it's your game. You do what you want to do. If you want to outlaw uh, classes, ancestries, this and that, then, then you, I think you have the ability to do that. You, The GM is a player too. If the GM doesn't want to play with something, then you should honor that. You know, I'm always up for a conversation. Like the one thing I said pre-Gatewalk uh, is, is like just no no gunslingers because I just don't want to – I don't want to do that again. I don't think they're – you know, I don't know anything about the 2E gunslinger. I imagine it's not particularly broken. Everything seems pretty well balanced. I just don't want guns in this game uh, is really what it came down to. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody had an issue with that. Nobody told me, like, oh, I really want to play a gunslinger. And if mm-hmm. someone said, like, I really want to play a gunslinger, I'd be like, well, tell me your concept. You know, I'm open to it. There's no, like, really – I'm trying to – I try to get away from hard and fast rules in general. Um, but, like, if you have a great concept, I'll listen to it. If it doesn't quite fit what I think – 
is going to be best for the adventure though that that's part of the conversation as well so i don't think there's anything wrong with it it's all just how how you go about so it have you ever done it yeah have I you said, ever told a player like no you, you can't do that have i nixed a player's concept i think i have but i can't remember the specific of it and i don't think it was like an outright nix it was just kind of a redirection like sure sure if you really want to do that Fine. I really don't care. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. But it might be better to do this. I think that happened like on Androids and Aliens. Um, maybe even, I don't know if it happened on Giant Slayer, but I don't think I've outright really nicked something. I kind of, I try to get ahead yeah, of it. Yeah. I, I definitely don't come, I don't approach it as an outright next, but I will say that I, I definitely have denied uh, a concept. One that stands out to me is I, I denied one of Nick Lowe once uh, for a uh, when we were doing Curse of the Crimson Throne, and the reason is because that you know it's a pre-written adventure. The thing is set up to be in a city where there is a very clear sort of plot and and a series of events that occur, and Nick is a very passionate player and <laughs> when he gets into something he gets way into it and he kind of came to me with a massive backstory and his backstory included like plot points you know that were like you know searching for the murderer of his father like that wasn't it but let's say it was that you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it was something that i was like man i, I i'm not trying to write an additional adventure like a murder mystery <laughs> alongside this adventure, you know, like what I need is, and that's why players guides, I think are really great for these APs. It's like, what you need is to find motivation within the concept of the adventure path, which is like, you have to have attachments to the city. You have to have things you care about in the city, uh, about people, you know, maybe oppression or, uh, uh, violence or, or your, your, um, particular ancestry of people and how they're treated or your uh, neighborhood of that city and how it's not getting support from the crown or whatever, like things like that are all different. They're all unique and they're all able to be crafted back into the AP really, really well. And so it was really more of a pivot and Nick was you know completely cool with it from the jump and, uh, you know, finding a way to, to make it work. So yes, I have done it. I don't just say yes to everything because I feel like it can put you as a GM in a position to disappoint people and get yourself really stressed out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, so, you know, just just uh, know that it's okay to to try to pivot. I I don't really come at it from a position of here's what's not in my games. Right. Uh, but I I do like to say it just isn't going to fit. Trust me. I know this story and you're going to become irrelevant or this thing that you it's going to be the main motivation for your character is going to have nothing to do with the story or any of the other characters. And it's going to like you leave you on an island. Yeah. And this can happen amongst players as well. Like how many times have I said no when someone's like, oh, and I could be your brother. Yeah, no, like absolutely not. <laughs> yes. I'm not interested in role playing that. You know, I just I, I let me do my thing. You do your thing. I don't like I don't like sibling uh, stuff from my particular players. So it's it, it again. It all comes down to a conversation between the GM and the players, between players and players. And and you know, if you try to keep an open mind, I think that you, you know, like this happens a lot sometimes where. I'll see someone get upset about something that happens on the show. And I think about like, well, that specific moment, everyone at our table was actually very cool about it. 
Uh, everyone like totally understood it. And afterwards we talked about it and it was like, wow, that was a great moment. And, and it just is a reminder that like every table is different. There might be stuff that you don't like, but uh, understand that like the table, the table decides at the end of the day, even if it goes against the, the rules of the game, that's what makes tables have longevity uh is like you, you have you to find kinda, a table of people that like to play the same way yeah yeah and i think we've we've done that and it's it's something that we always keep an eye on but uh yeah it's a good question especially very timely with that post last week yeah i didn't know about that post and so yeah yeah it is it is very timely thank you foreman and thank you always for uh for watching on twitch and hanging out we we appreciate it so much um remember if you want to get your question in write us a contact at glasscannonnetwork.com subject Listener mail. Listener mail. That's going to wrap Ooh, it up, dude. That's, 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 that's all I have for today. Uh, <sighs> sorry for the late FOD, everybody. It's a little behind the ball, but uh, it, it was raining. It was raining. It was raining in our cities. <laughs> it was raining in our cities. <laughs> uh, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. I uh, hope you enjoy episode 17 tomorrow night. Uh, watch Troy's stream. If you don't catch it here, catch it on VOD. I'm going to be streaming on Friday at noon. Uh, lots of fun stuff coming next week. More labs. Labs tomorrow at 2 p.m. Uh, lots of great stuff. So until then, uh, take it easy, everybody, and we'll see you live on Twitch. Peace. I, I got to go clean up blood. <laughs> so much blood. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at jointhenation.com. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to Counterclock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.